Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast for the Lancet Neurology. It's May 2022, and I'm Gavin Cleaver. In our issue this month, we have a review from Professor Mark Hallett et al., looking at new subtypes and shared mechanisms in functional neurological disorder. And I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Hallett on the podcast today to talk about this review. Professor Hallett, in the introduction to your review, you talk about how functional neurological disorder was largely neglected in the 20th century by healthcare workers and in medical teaching. Could you first provide us with a little background about this previous neglect and explain some of the stigma faced by patients? There have always been patients with functional neurological disorders. At the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century, these patients were of considerable interest to Charcot and Freud. Freud eventually developed theories of psychological causes for these disorders, and those ideas became dominant. Neurologists who saw these patients then believed that there was really no neurological problem. Moreover, in many circumstances, neurologists believed that these patients were malingering. Thus, when the diagnosis was made, patients were told that they should be able to get better on their own and were sent away. Psychoanalysts might have been interested, but psychiatrists in general were not seeing these patients. In the end, both psychiatrists and neurologists lost interest, and teaching about functional neurological disorders stopped, and the disorder even disappeared from neurology and psychiatry textbooks. Meanwhile, the patients were neglected and stigmatized. Psychiatric disease is enough to stigmatize the patients, but the stigma is worse with the view that the patients are just malingering. Your review covers four common presentations of functional neurological disorder, which are functional seizures, functional movement disorders, persistent perceptual postural dizziness, and functional cognitive disorder. You studied that these latter two presentations, dizziness and cognitive dysfunction, previously occupied an uncertain place in relation to functional neurological disorder. What prompted you to discuss these two presentations in the review? Functional neurological disorders can present with any neurological symptom. The most common are functional seizures and functional movement disorders, but there's also functional sensory loss, functional visual disorders, functional speech disorders, and so on. There are, however, lesser well-known disorders, and these include persistent perceptual postural dizziness, also known as PPPD or 3PD, and functional cognitive disorders. The reason for putting all these disorders together is that they're thought to have common etiologies and pathophysiologies. They are all multifactorial in etiology, which is understood with a biopsychosocial model. The pathophysiology seems triggered by an overactive limbic system leading to an abnormal sickness belief. They are all characterized as well by diagnoses made by identifying variability or inconsistency over time and incongruence with normal anatomy and physiology and the idea that the disorder stems from abnormal brain network function. 3PD is a very common cause of dizziness or sense of imbalance. In fact, it's one of the most common entities seen in dizzy clinics. The term 3PD itself is relatively new 
since the disorder was recently defined by putting together several older diagnoses that were recognized as being the same. The symptoms cannot be explained by any vestibular abnormality that might be present. Functional cognitive disorder hasn't been well recognized and perhaps often mixed up with mild cognitive impairment. Functional cognitive disorders are characterized by inconsistency of responses in the same cognitive domain, such as not being able to recall a short story in the neurologist's office, but then giving a clear, detailed recent history of events. In the review, we wanted to raise awareness of these two entities. You emphasized throughout the review that a diagnosis of functional neurological disorder should be based on positive features. What exactly do you mean by positive features and why is this approach important? Positive features are characteristics of a disorder. Patients with functional seizures, for example, have their eyes closed during an event, while patients with epileptic seizures generally have eyes open. Patients with functional tremor in one arm may have it go away if their attention is drawn to another arm. Negative features are characteristics these patients have that don't make the diagnosis of another disease. For example, a patient might have a complaint about a limping gait. However, the neurologist can identify any orthopedic, peripheral neuropathy, weakness, or incoordination problem. Since no other diagnosis can be made, the neurologist concludes that the limping uh, must be functional. This is dangerous, of course. Uh, a differential diagnosis list might not be complete. The limping, for example, uh, might be a focal dystonia of a type not encountered by the neurologist before. Hence, the diagnosis could well be an error. Positive features are a much better and safer way of making the proper diagnosis. Now, we published this review online first, so before our issue came out, and the reaction to it on social media has been very positive, with many comments that this is a must-read review for neurologists. Do you think perceptions of functional neurological disorder have changed among clinicians over the past few years, and what else needs to be done? We are certainly happy that there has been an enthusiastic reception of our review. Neurologists are beginning to recognize that these patients are very common, that the diagnosis can indeed be made with some certainty, and that the patients can be treated. There's also increasing recognition that functional neurological disorder is a bona fide entity and not just malingering. However, there's much more that needs to be done. There are considerable educational needs. This extends from neurologists to psychiatrists, physical and occupational therapists, social workers, and of course, internists and pediatricians. Unfortunately, in addition to the education problem, there is often not good communication between neurologists and psychiatrists. A neurologist might refer a patient to a psychiatrist, but then the psychiatrist sends the patient back to the neurologist since the problem seems to be just neurologic to them. For example, I've had the experience of referring a patient with a functional tremor to a psychiatrist, but then the psychiatrist focused on the primary complaint of tremor, did not understand the referral, and sent the patient back to me. 
There's also a major need for more therapeutic programs, which often require multidisciplinary care. Moreover, at least in the United States, there's need for improvement in healthcare systems that provide enough resources to care for the patients. Education is the key, and we hope that our review is helpful in this regard. Thank you to Professor Mark Hallett, and thanks to you for listening. You can find this review, Functional Neurological Disorder, New Subtypes and Shared Mechanisms, online now at thelancet.com. And if you're not subscribed already to our In Conversation With podcast, you can find The Lancet Neurology and also an In Conversation With podcast for almost all of our other specialty journals, wherever you usually get your podcasts. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.